0: Aloha Maui! Hey, this is Josh Porter,
1: Jason Verkhardt.
0: Brian Thomas, and Doug McLeod. Alright, gang's all here. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, folks. This is episode 147. We are uh, doing the uh, the Hawaii Energy Conference uh, pre-radio show uh, here with Doug McLeod. Thanks for coming in today. How are you doing, Doug?
2: Hey, my pleasure to be here. Always happy to talk to you guys.
0: Now, you've been around in and out of the show for years now. It's like, you know, tried, uh, tried and true member of the uh, the group here. Uh, this is, uh, you know, Hawaii Energy Conference is how many how many years are you guys into it right now?
2: Year seven this time.
0: Year seven. Jeez. That's been doing this for a bit. And what's the uh, theme uh, this year, John?
2: This year we're talking about this idea of beneficial electrification. And, you know, you know here in Hawaii we've been focused for a while about uh, PV and about EVs, but... We really haven't put it all together. And every time we we try to go down one of these paths, we run into these barriers. And, you know, you guys have seen it with, um, let's say you want to do EVs. You know, you find out that uh, if you do a public charging station, it's going to have all these demand charges. And there's all these things that are kind of built into the system that penalize you for increasing use of electricity. Check that out.
0: It's like the full kind of holistic approach to electrification and and beneficial electrification that you said.
2: Yeah, that's the term now. Beneficial electrification. Now, hey, listen, (laughs) we've got help, and you know, we've got folks on the mainland that are helping us. But you know, it's really you you sort of get the idea. I mean, the idea is that if the grid is getting cleaner, then then what can we do with that? And and, you know, on on one extreme, this isn't a jet fuel kind of substitute. It Mm. doesn't solve that, but. You know, if you start getting realistic about passenger EVs and you start thinking about what we could really do, you know, it, it really does open up some possibilities. All and right.
0: That's the idea. Can't wait for it. It's going to be a great show. Can't wait to talk all about this and kind of get a sense for this. And then I uh, invite everybody out here in the Maui community to participate. Uh, so we've got a lot of other things going on. Of course, uh hack of a, a week in the markets. Brian Thomas, how are you feeling?
3: Uh Good. Yeah. yeah? It's, it's been uh Radicals and understanding,
0: yeah, right? And then Jay Verkhart over there in Japan, uh, you know, our correspondent in the East. Uh, how how the how's the coronavirus treating you out there, Jay?
1: Uh, I stay home. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's not—it's not, it's not nearly that bad. But I mean, yeah, I've got—we've got, we we've got, got some stuff to talk about for there sure.
0: There's a lot going on. I think it's time to get up and running. Right, guys, ready? Here we go. Okay. All right, hey folks. This is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. Can be found Fridays at one oh five p.m. on Koi 11:10 a.m. Also some FM stations: 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM West Side, 98.7 FM Upcountry
1: www.solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live if you're outside of our broadcast area. Uh, go back and check out all our old shows if there's something to do with renewable energies that you're interested in. Chances are we've talked about it by now. Uh, you can also go to the YouTube channel and check out all Josh's uh, videos from CES, which were many. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, get on our mailing list down the bottom of the page. Just about every page, um, sign up and or send us questions. If you have a question about anything to do with renewables or solar, uh, send us a note, and we'll get your question on the air. Uh, we're also available on podcast networks: iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart. All carry the Solar Coaster. Uh, sign in, look for Solar Coaster, the little orange and blue waveform logo, and take us everywhere.
0: Alright, we got some great sponsors out there keeping the solar coaster on the tracks for uh, nearly three years now. We're uh, episode 147 just around the corner. Uh, is our three-year anniversary? Fairwind's Wealth Management here, Brian Thomas, uh, to help us learn all about ESG and ETF and lots of different acronyms like Tan and PBW <laughs> and you name it. Excited to hear about uh, how things are going right now, given this kind of unprecedented—can I use that term? I like that term. Sure. Unprecedented week we've just experienced. Indeed. Um, and uh, also Enduro Shield and Perfect clear glass and Shield, the uh, the company that creates uh, panel coatings Uh, or rather a coating for uh, glass and also that is working now for pv panels as well and perfectly clear glass gary dolberg here in maui uh, with this service very exciting technology uh, that's being uh, pioneered there also Sundrum solar doing some really amazing uh heat sink and uh uh, heat exchanging systems uh on maui island presently pantec design adapt energy as well as and Q2 forward, the uh, much lauded Solar Edge will be joining the uh, Solar Coaster family. So, hey, uh, we got a special thing I just want to make sure we call attention to. Brian, we are going to do an event probably in the next month at Maui Country Club. Give us a sense of what that is.
3: Yeah, talking about ESG, environmental social governance. And also, from the time I've begun on the show, you guys had the prescient uh, uh, insight to have me on when PBW, which is a ticker symbol, for renewable energy, it's an ETF and TAN. Those were some of the best, those were the best performing sectors last year. They're still, they pulled back with everything, uh, stock related, but they came out of the gates, A little bit of buying pressure today. And we're gonna just invite people and show them a risk management process as well. So we're gonna be talking about ESG, environmental social governance investing, renewable investing, and applying a risk management as a template over the whole thing. And we'll just talk story at Maui Country Club and, uh, They'll learn some stuff that
0: sounds great each day of this week i kept thinking to myself man brian's people are getting taken care of right now yeah. <laughs> you know exit the market <laughs> it's down
1: <laughs> yep. all right so very good let's jump over to news and events all right right out of the gate um again the coronavirus thing which everybody's talking about uh la times is reporting that um coronavirus will slow world's solar energy revolution now again this is kind of like well, yeah, all sectors are kind of in a, in a bit of a slowdown, uh, but it's mostly related specifically because a, a lot of our panels come from China. Uh, we did have the tariff imposed um, a couple years ago now, I guess, um, a year and a half. And, and that has tried, it's, its point was try to shift manufacturing back to the U.S. But still the majority of product comes out of China. And with China's general slowdown uh we're seeing less manufacture everybody's pulling back their um estimates of total manufactured capacity how many gigawatts uh we're going to make this year uh of panels and and, and it's just going to be a difficult situation i will tell you um firsthand that, that things are, are really starting to slow down here there's a lot less people on the streets um i've, I've talk to folks down at the Osaka, it's the second largest city in Japan, but it is the largest port city. You could tell a lot about what's going on in the Japanese economy simply by what's going on in the port. Right. And the guys there are saying it's, it's it's just dead. There's there's nothing coming in, going out. Um, all, the China, all the ships from China have stopped. Um, on the good news side, I, I mentioned last show that I have um, specific suppliers for my electronics business um, that have been basically dead silent since uh, the middle of July. Uh, when they when they went off for um, for the lunar New year. And about half of them have come online this week again. So, so they're starting to ship product and we're starting to see things, um, but that's half of what the normal volume looks like. So it's a slow ramp, again, as, as they come back to work. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out.
0: You know what I, I find interesting here, uh, Jay? Some of the companies that we've been talking to a lot, uh, for example, Solar Edge and Enphase, this is, a, this is a Los Angeles Times uh, uh, article here, China, Solar Coronavirus is the title, uh, but down towards the bottom it talks about Solar Edge, and Solar Edge said on an earnings call that increased capacity they had increased capacity at factories in Hungary and Vietnam and has helped to meet demand. And they expect to do air shipments this quarter in part because of the coronavirus, right? Uh, that's been putting, effect, uh, putting pressure on gross margins. But also phase boosting manufacturing of microinverters recently in Mexico as a backup in case of uh, supply disruption. So you're seeing companies kind of diversify and make sure they're able to, to handle these kinds of, I guess, pretty substantial bumps in the road. I mean, what do you guys
2: think? I don't think those are panel companies. I mean, I think those are the guys selling something small enough you can put it on a plane, you know, right. Enphase and Edge and uh, DC Optimizer. Yeah, you can ship that by plane, but not the panel. <laughs> so, it, and, it,
3: Doug, in other words, <laughs> well, like they've got, my, b- because of their components are smaller, they can shift their supply chain way faster than a, than a big panel maker.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, it talks about some of the uh, the brands that are affected here. It says that uh, it's uh, members of panels that have been affected disrupted uh, overseas the Jingo Solar Holdings company Longi for example Trina some of the biggest uh, biggest volume top 5 volume manufacturers of PV in the world
2: yeah, and a bunch of people tried to run to Vietnam and South Korea as alternate production sites, and it looks like, you know, from the news, you may have the same issues. So, right, I mean, they may not have it. escaped it. Yeah, right,
1: right. yeah.
0: absolutely. They'll,
3: they'll yeah. escape and, the terror. And there's,
1: there's, there's another issue. There's another issue there is that if you go further up the chain, you're talking about manufacturing inverters and such, but inverters are made up of base components, so the passives, resistors, capacitors, and such. Right. And those are the things that I can't get right now. So even though they have a stockpile of, of regular parts, we've gone to a very... Um, or just in time order kind of world. And so I can't imagine that they have that much of a stock on site uh, of, of those base components. They just assume that they're always going to be available. And that may not be the case.
0: So what does this mean for us? Does this mean that we're going <laughs> to see uh, problems in actually getting the products we need to install solar system? I mean, if you're doing a resi, a commercial or utility scale solar system, I mean, here, are you going to find yourself in a position where you can't install it? Is that do you guys think that's gonna happen?
1: I, I think I think the prices are gonna go up.
0: Well, <laughs> and, and
1: yeah, you know, I mean, solar is
3: just one industry, but you look at all the industries. You know, if you're a car manufacturer, whatever, if you're missing one component of a of a car, you know, uh, you're not gonna ship the car, right? And so, the yeah. whole thing gets backed up, and right, and the the interconnectedness of business and logistics today. Uh, this is not
0: what you'd want to have occur. Are we starting to, see, how long does it take to see this? I, like, I don't have visibility on that. Does
1: this show up in days, weeks, months? I mean, how long I mean, does it take? It's,
0: it's down, it's it's playing out right now as
3: we speak, you know?
1: I, I, mean, I, I would expect to get much better clarity in, in the next couple of weeks. Next couple of weeks, okay,
3: okay. Yeah. Look, look at the departure of the CEOs recently. Disney, going. you know, there's been a lot of CEO departures and they're like, let's just ring the bell and cash out at the top here and move on, you know? It's like, they they know that the writing on the wall, we're,
0: you mean uh, as this coronavirus uh, issue well, has kind of transpired or prior to that?
3: It's not related purely to the coronavirus. But I mean, earnings have been coming down. Guidance have been coming down while the market runs up. We were at a record high in the stock market last Wednesday. Right. Look at where we are today. We've given up two years of gains in, in a week. I mean that's a rough. Yeah, but road. this
1: happens. I mean it's not it's not a whole the sky is falling issue. We do go through cyclical periods of ups and downs. I mean that's that's.
3: We do, Jay. Basically, the way the market works. It's uh, <laughs> at record levels of, of at record levels of debt yeah, so, and record. Yes. I mean historical, compared to the Great Financial Crisis and compared to the tech crash, record valuation as measured by almost every metric you can imagine enterprise yeah. value to, so, sales, so the, so to sales for So for these CEOs
1: who are at the top of their game right now, are, I mean, it's a, it's a mini, it's a multi-year cycle. Do they even want to be in that, that position still in 10 years? Probably not. They want so, the you know, right? <laughs> yeah. to retire. So that's why they're out. Yeah. That's why they're going to, they're going to choose to bail. So it's not a, Oh my God, the sky is falling and these guys are running off to the hills to, to live with their money. It's, it's, it's just time. <laughs> all right.
0: Yeah, all right. All right.
1: Let's, uh, Jay, what's, which one do you want to tackle next? Uh, I want to talk about green carports Green carports are (laughs) fun. Let's talk about those guys. These these things are cool Okay, so we all know it it, the best way to drive your EV is on driving on sunshine, right? Well green car reports is talking about this new Electrify America product that they're putting out Now, green Electrify America was funded by the um, Volkswagen uh, diesel emissions scandal Um, And and so they've got a whole lot of money that was granted to them from Volkswagen and they but they have a mandate to spend it on um, was it promoting electric vehicles and so they've invested in these really cool charging stations that are um it's basically a stall and and they just drive in with a big flatbed truck drop it in a parking space and all of a sudden you have a full solar powered battery backed up um electric vehicle charging point and it's it's awesome because it's nine panels in a, in a big rectangle that shade the car, shade the vehicle. When you park there, it's uh, wind stable up to one hundred twenty miles an hour. Which I, my, my first concern when I saw this is like, oh, that's a big kite sail, isn't it? This <laughs> is a it, tracking but array. But it's yeah, it really is, and 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 it's absolutely absolutely uh, completely off grid. So it's hundred oh, percent com- solar. It's completely off You're guaranteed. It's completely off grid. You just drop Get it into the here. stall. That's what makes this thing so cool. So you just drop it somewhere and all of a sudden you have electric vehicle charging. I don't know
0: about that. <laughs> First of all, it's level two, right? So it's not. that's not super mm-hmm. fast for a commercial charger. And then you've got 4.28 kilowatt tracking. I mean, how much energy can that produce? The 32 kilowatt hours of energy storage?
1: kilowatt energy storage
2: on, uh, this on board, is a toy. which is, which
0: is it's neat, but I mean, it's uh, a toy, Wait, right? I mean, you roll, up with a, you roll up with a couple of, uh, you know, power hungry cars. You're going to suck that juice out in a New York minute.
2: This is like <laughs> you park all day and, and you have a leaf. I mean, it's really not designed right? for some of the larger batteries. I mean, you're not going to make much of an impact on a Tesla with, with nine panels. Right. But I mean, the concept no, I think, of it's I think kinda, the concept is cool. Yeah, yeah the concept is rad.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you can get into a position where you're using, you know, you're doing this and at, at maybe at scale or something, or is it proof of concept or is this kind of symbolic? You know, is that what it is? It's saying, hey, this is possible. You can power your car with sunshine. Is that what's going uh, on? Th- here?
2: This is a solution to where, you know, if you have a regulatory problem with permitting, like uh, this is a perfect Oahu solution where it's six months to get a permit to do anything. And and yeah. you know I, that I would totally get. I'm not sure this is a Maui solution necessarily. So it, today. It, it
0: could, maybe this could be an, a solution for this uh, that law of, of related. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but the law related to here in Hawaii to have to have. Um, I think it's one, one EV uh, charger per 100 uh, parking, yeah, per yeah. 50 or 100. Yeah. So uh, I hear there's some enforcement kind of moving. It's getting more aggressive. I don't know if that's true or not, but this could be something that you could do, right?
3: Sure. And, and, and specifically, they mentioned rural, right? So where you don't have power, but you need to bridge that gap or somewhere. Put, just put a spot where
1: you don't have power or you don't have the capacity. I mean, that's 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 part of the issue. You don't, don't have to These your things do suck a, a lot of power. Um, I have to wonder, can you also put an additional uh, bunch of panels on this like if you had a large just solar uh, carport array could you add more solar capacity to this thing
0: mm, uh, i mean this is probably
1: limited by the internal uh, like uh, well you can see the physical
0: structure of it jay i mean it's like it
3: fits over the parking spot basically
1: well that yeah that's that's by necessity because it drops in but if you put, if you had another one that was just solar that you would drop next to it then you could tie them together I mean,
0: I like the idea of something like this fun. if it's if it's if it's backed up to the grid because you wouldn't want to. I mean, if they're sitting there, then they're not doing anything. If they're not being used, right? You're not getting any kind of gain. Well, they're storing, right? This is this whole it, it beneficial be, be thing, right? right? Can yeah, we right, do this right. in a way
2: that makes it help more than just this one person? And and there ought to be a way, but we haven't found the the easy one yet.
0: Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, I think it's great, Jay. So, I, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. <laughs> it looks fine. like, a... fine, finally, finally. Let's let's go over to um, Fox Business News. I can't oh, believe boy. you sent me a Fox yes, News article. Fox <laughs> <laughs> National Natural Gas is crushing wind and solar power, but why isn't anybody talking about it? Um, <laughs> that's the title. That's the title of the article. Um, my takeaway was very different than Brian's, and and we can go into this. But what I, what I heard reading this article is that we have all this this natural gas and technology is so much better and we should just be using natural gas and, and and the one quote in here that that was really absurd was um it's it's bad news to use the gas why is why is that they're taking aim at another article um from a from a different uh, from a bloomberg starter story but why why is natural gas use bad news. It's like saying you have the cure for coronavirus and it's bad for hospitals and doctors. Well, no, it's not. It's like having the, um, it, it, a drug that will alleviate the symptoms, but you're still going to die. (laughs) No, it's, it's just, it's just not, not a good analogy. Um, honestly, I went, I went back to the union of concerned scientists page and I got specific, um, Imperial empirical facts for the burning of natural gas versus coal. Coal is very dirty. Uh, Natural gas is a lot cleaner by about an order of 50% if you're. um talking about CO2 emissions, but only about 20% with the other uh, greenhouse gases. So, um, your, your methane, nitrous oxide and stuff like that. Um, so, so it's, it's better, of course it's better, but is it something you want to standardize on? And my, my big point for natural gas has always been, are you going to invest in a whole lot of infrastructure, like in a place like Oahu where we don't have any, um, LNG serious infrastructure yet, um, and, and then decide to chuck it in. 20 years because we're looking at the 2045
2: deadline.
0: Well, I mean, Doug, what do you think? I mean, where, where does where does natural gas <laughs> play a role in in the energy, energy transition?
2: Oh, are you asking a Hawaii question or a mainland question? Give me a we, little scoop se- here. Well, oh,
0: we can separate them. I mean, I think, but I think the, the the bigger issue is the mainland. I mean, Hawaii is that's very specific to us, and and I think it's unique as well, right? But I mean, mm-hmm. in the mainland, given that, I, that's where I'm more interested, really, the bigger picture.
2: When you look at what's going on in the mainland, it's basically been coal that's been pushed out by natural gas, and you know, renewables. Uh, particularly large-scale solar and wind, are kind of keeping a cap on all the pricing. And so you're, you're still seeing big wind projects go forward, some of the big solar projects. But the natural gas is, is definitely pushing out coal. And when you look at the pricing, you know, that article quotes, uh, was it, 177, okay? I mean, no one ever imagined uh, natural gas is Price getting this low. I mean people used to plan around you know 250 would be kind of almost a doomsday scenario. And so at these kinds of prices you have people that are flaring off rather than you know even harvesting the natural gas you know and, and that's one of the issues that comes up when people want to talk about natural gas I mean it, chemically it is C4 methane and the concern is not just what happens from the, the gas that gets burnt in a controlled environment, In a power plant the concern is all along the way from from taking it out with the oil to uh transmitting it through the pipelines you know all along the route you know as we've gone back and looked at it what's the extractive cost of that energy and the amount that's just being emitted losses you know right Mm valves
0: flanges accidents and has anyone ever tried to quantify that
2: yeah, there are some people who've done it, and they've gone around and done some, uh, you know, infrared, uh, you know, testing. And, and it shows, you know, quite mm. clearly in some of the other color spectrums. Um, so, yeah, it, it is interesting. And some states are handling it. You know, Colorado's been working on going around to all the old well heads and trying to actually test and make sure they're not, you know, emitting. But I'm just saying when you try and do some sort of math, you know, about uh, natural gas, you, you've got to include something for extra burden along the way of the production and getting it to where you use it. Um, But, you know, here in Hawaii, I think you have some different issues. And, um, you know, if you look at the Democratic uh, debates and all, it's it's pretty clear that it is now an accepted position in the Democratic Party that that all of these are climate problem. And so, you know, Sanders was out there, I think, being viewed as as having an extreme position because in the past he, he thought natural gas was better than some of these other options our governor has certainly been very anti-natural gas i think that's usually viewed as the main reason he opposed the next purchase of hawaiian electric so um y- you'd really have to come up with an argument about why we would want natural gas here in the island and it's certainly still going to be imported it's certainly still a fossil fuel uh, but at the, at the same time i think there are probably places where you could say hey the people actually living downwind of a power plant would they benefit if the same power plant was converted to natural gas from fuel oil, which mm. we burn here, which is really dirty, you know. So, mm. I mean, you can make a very valid argument in particular locations and say this would benefit uh, people that that really deserve it. Generally, they're going to be lower income people. They live right downwind of these power plants, and so, so we're talking you start, about you're talking about
0: air quality. Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. air
2: quality. I'm, I mean, you can look at Kahului here, but I mean, on Oahu, there's some much larger plants, mm. and yeah, I mean, those are those are legitimate concerns.
0: Okay, so there's a there's a local localized kind of conversation. It has to do with where you're talking about um, where, where you're talking about it. Is it Hawaii? Is it the mainland? Yeah, I get it. Private. You know, and
3: and also, I mean, Jay, they never mention LNG in the article, but the infrastructure is in there for natural gas without even talking about exporting it. But and I'm not I don't want to defend natural gas, but I mean, as a low cost alternative to coal that can provide power in the evenings or so, and and when wind or solar doesn't work, the natural gas. And the article speaks about how natural gas, the price has fallen down to the ridiculous level, you know, and it keeps falling down. So it's, it's mm-hmm. not saying it's the holy grail per se, but I mean, it's saying, look, the, the, the cost of solar has fallen dramatically, but the cost of natural gas has fallen uh, dramatically as well. So it's, um, I don't know, it, it, it basically just said to, you know, don't discount natural gas uh, altogether.
1: All right, all right, okay. I don't I don't yeah, I don't I don't discount it as that bridge fuel fuel conversation, but that like I said it's it's less looking less like a bridge fuel reading this article and more of well why don't we just use this instead? And that is not a good solution for long-term yeah. viability. I
3: think the natural gas industry <laughs> said, "Hey, it's time to do an article about natural gas a little bit." <laughs> <laughs>
0: there okay, you go. there you go. <laughs> okay, we have had a, a heck of a week. It's Friday, the twenty-eighth of February, two thousand twenty. Uh, Brian Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your experience has been from Monday through today?
3: Well, you know, I've managed money now over twenty years, and uh, the the pullbacks get quicker, right, and more severe. And we can go into the reasons for that, but I mean, everybody who's passive investing right you've got money in say vanguard or so it's like you've given up 2 years of gains in in 5 days or so you know and jay says well it'll bounce back i mean everyone's been conditioned in a pavlovian way to to do that but that may not always work you know and the fed has been out there but the fed's choices are limited and they may cut rates but the 10 year treasury is at record lows and I mean, I could get deep in the weeds on this stuff. Well, but
0: I have a specific question because what we've been talking about over the course of the last few months, of course, are the ETFs and the relative strength of these, uh, these electronically traded funds versus other areas of the market, especially fossil fuel companies. And then now we have all that happening. And then simultaneously, uh, you know, we were looking at your strategy. Of of when the market's going a downward trend, get out. That's what I understood, right? So that's with, that, with, presumably you've exercised that like in a serious way over the last five days.
3: Well, with specific triggers. So yeah. you know, and I'm I'm not going to give specific recommendation, and investment advice over the radio. This is not investment advice. But I invite people to call me. I will give it away. We can see exactly how it's done. I will give you the process, right? And for those people that did call, uh, hooray for them. Because yeah. because that little. Phone call that they were able to make. Yeah, it's difficult today, you know, to pick up the phone. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, the risk management process works. When we talked about those investing things, they weren't recommendations, and I said that. But I did say, define your risk before you buy it, mm-hmm. right? And if someone did that and they set their risk at maybe eight uh, to ten percent or so, they're in good shape. You know, as high as those ETFs, exchange traded funds have run up. PBW was one of them, TAN, ticker symbol TAN for solar energy stocks. As high as they've run up, they haven't given that much back considering they've given back as much as say a Google or a Facebook or an Amazon or something to that effect. And those were way high flyers and you would think that the high flyers would get pummeled, right, because they ran up so high. But I looked at Enphase today and SolarEdge in particular, you know, they didn't, they didn't pull back that far and- uh, So they were
0: more resilient. A little more resilient, yeah,
3: and and, you know, when we find a bottom, the stuff that comes out of that bottom and goes green first are things where money is flowing into, which makes a general better risk-reward going forward.
0: Got it, got it. Okay, we want to cover one thing. We're, we're going to do an event at uh, My Country Club. How can people reach
3: you? 808-873-3247 or info at fairwindswealth.com. F and, as in Frank, fairwindswealth.com.
0: And that's going to be a talk story with Brian Thomas of Fairwinds Wealth Management. Learn all about this cool strategy and how to take advantage and be a, be a part of the ESG revolution, I'm gonna call it. Uh, and uh, let's, before we head off to commercials though, uh, Jason, we wanted to give uh, a little shout out here for what's going on with my Electric. Do we have that article up? Vericart, Vericart, calling Vericart. No? Okay. Looks like we're gonna go to commercial break. We'll come back and we will, uh, we'll cover that then. Enduro Shield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment, reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. EnduroShield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear. In Hawaii and for on-site applications in western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422.
1: That's 808-280-9422.
0: Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right, those were our wonderful sponsors. Thanks so much to uh, all those great folks for keeping the solar coaster on the tracks. Uh, Got some uh, other really uh, interesting companies that are getting involved in 2020 uh, to be announced. Uh, Do you want to give a quick shout out before we jump into our main show focus here uh, for these meetings that will be held uh, by Hawaiian Electric. Uh, Jay, what's going on here?
1: We got, um, can you hear us okay, Jay? You still there? Yep. Yep. Uh, can you hear me now? Ah. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. There you are. There you okay. Are. There you are. So, um, in 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 March, Hawaiian Electric, formerly um, Miko. Uh, HELCO and HECO, uh, now Hawaiian Electric Companies, uh, are hosting public forums uh, featuring panel discussions and open house where attendees can get information on uh, everything from rooftop solar to uh, the electrification of transportation. Um, and they're going to be all over the all over the islands, the one that is specific to us um, from 5 p.m to 7.30 p.m. with the open house from 5 to 6 uh, and panel discussions of it as well will be on March 12th in Kahului uh, the Hawaiian Electric uh, Kahului Auditorium. I believe that's their main office. We've been there before, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. Mr. Porter? Yeah, so that's, that's 210 uh, West Kamehameha Avenue. Uh, again, March 12th Uh, Starting at 5 p.m. with the open house, uh, we'll be there. And representatives want community members to come, ask questions, provide feedback as part of their integrated grid planning uh, process. So as as Hawaii uh, moves toward clean energy, they want your feedback. And so this is a good opportunity for anybody who's interested to go and actually talk directly with uh, representatives from the utility and hear their plans.
3: Is this where we can ask them why they want to pass that cost on to the consumer that they failed to... Anticipate in their
0: PPA agreement.
1: Absolutely, but be respectful, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there will be Brian wearing a big solar grocer T-shirt. Hey, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I just think that's think preposterous that. that they want
3: to that they have the audacity <laughs> to pass that on to the consumer. Okay, that's, okay. Well, if yeah, you'd
1: like to yeah. learn more about that, they can probably uh, go to the website, right, Jay? And uh, please do attend. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, and Mau- Maui Now is also covering it, so Hawaii, Hawaiian Electric to Post uh, Public Meetings is the name of the, uh, the article there. has okay. the entire schedule for the entire islands, for all islands.
0: Okay, okay. Shall we jump over to our main focus, Jay? You ready for this? Absolutely. Let's do it. We have uh, Doug McLeod uh, here in the studio, uh, and we're going to be talking about the Hawaii Energy Conference, which is happening on March 18th uh, through the 19th here at the MAC. Uh,
1: very excited. For- yeah. And for those that don't know, um, just describe what the Hawaii Energy Conference, formerly the Maui Energy Conference, now Hawaii Energy Conference, is.
2: You know, we're we're something that started here uh, because the solar industry really got going and got strong, and we we felt like there was enough of kind of that critical mass to start bringing people in from the mainland and from Japan to talk energy. So it's kind of developed uh, since then, and we've had a lot of competition along the way from Verge and from other events uh, on Oahu and and there will undoubtedly be be more competition but right now we are the leading conference and it we we are the hawaii energy conference now because we're trying to cover the whole state but we're still doing it at the mac and frankly the the venue you know is such a cool place to to do this uh the indoor outdoor space it, it, what what we do is a little different we we call it a curated conference and you know a lot of conferences you go to there's you know 20 different tracks and all these breakout sessions which which can be good you know in one sense but on the other hand at the end of the day when you talk with people you sort of had a completely different experience than the person you're talking with you know right. you're not necessarily experiencing the same thing so we've always had the opposite focus you know we say we have this beautiful facility um you know and 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 we have a very relaxed pace we don't try to you know just just be relentless with people but you know, we work around this curated notion. And so this year we're working off of this idea on beneficial electrification. And, again, as as I listen to you guys talk, all this stuff comes up. You know, this whole idea of ESG is exactly the same thing that's going on. What, what What's going on in our world is there are literally billions of dollars of capital investment, and they're going to be spent in the name of a smarter grid or cleaner energy. But those words don't have any meaning in and of themselves. And And we've learned the hard way here in Hawaii that if you don't look at you know, the real meaning and the definitions and do that hard work, you know, you may end up wasting a lot of of time and energy. So that's really what we're doing this year. We're we're taking that high level approach about, you know, what would make all this beneficial? And we've got this PV growth, we've got people wanting to do more with EVs. How can you put it together and really make sense out of it in a way that's not just toys for rich people?
0: What's a, what is a concrete example, one that's really very easy to understand of, 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 of what you're talking about here?
2: Okay, so I'll give you an example from California, and it could be applicable here. You know, if anyone who lives on Maui knows all summer we experience wildfires, and mm-hmm. California's had just extreme wildfire conditions. So what they've gone to now is that there's a situation where if, if the conditions look uh, right for a really bad fire, basically low humidity, high winds, you know, they're actually turning off transmission lines now. And so you, you start to see a situation where you kind of have haves and have nots, and the haves are people who have a little you know battery backup, they have that ability. So what's happening now in California is they've got a program to put in Tesla batteries, really in, in lower income applications and, and based on the risk of wildfire. And we're talking about $600 million now that's going to be applied towards, you know, behind-the-meter battery storage, focusing on areas, and again, not based on is this someone who could normally afford a battery, looking at it in terms of what benefits the larger community and say, okay, you know, what's the area we're most likely to have to cut off due to wildfire risk, and could we could we put these in? So you start to see just a totally different approach if, if, if the... You know, capital is going to get allocated in a way that's really trying to do more than just traditional. You know, the cost benefit economics is the heart of, of old school public utilities. But it just isn't enough anymore. You know, people aren't going to be satisfied with just a certain cost per kilowatt hour. That's that's not where the, the world is at anymore. So you've got a that's actually a government funded program it's like a state funded program sorry which one are we talking the, about the, the California Tesla yeah government? right that's the California PUC and so the program And we were bringing one of the commissioners uh, over to talk about it so when you look at our program you're going to see that we brought over this year uh, first off our keynote speaker is from the Sacramento Municipal Utility District and they're the leader on this uh, electrification approach right now so you know if you if you look around and say what what does it mean you ask for a practical application okay so if you are in the service territory for this utility uh, that our keynote speaker is coming from they will pay you up to thirteen thousand dollars to convert an existing home that has natural gas to all electricity
0: that was a text you sent me today when it said thirteen thousand dollars. Yes, thirteen
2: thousand dollars. I gotcha. So I mean, you know, you, you you start to say, "Wow," you know, they're 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 actively saying we want you to switch from natural gas to electricity, and you know, they're they're doing it as a publicly owned utility. So so this group, uh, they go by SMUDs, Sacramento Municipal Utility mm-hmm. District, is a nonprofit. They have a million and a half customers. And they have a program to electrify. So we've asked uh, Rachel Wong to come over and and speak. And, you know, they're going to talk about their all-electric homes program. So they've got new home developments, so new subdivisions that are all-electric. And that's one of the requirements to go in there. They've got a program here to actively, you know, pay the homeowner to convert specific appliances to electric or the entire home and and so we, we, we look at it like that is absolutely you know one of the leading programs in the country and we want them to come over and explain why because you know and again in Hawaii if if we just look at all the different programs we have they don't necessarily all link together very well and here they've really made an effort and and they'll come over and they're going to explain and they're going to say that we feel that in our case it's going for a low carbon grid and it's based on cost too you know, they have $0.13 cent electricity doing all this stuff, you know, per kilowatt hour. So it, it's amazing, and that's why we wanted them as our, our keynote, but that's certainly not the, you know, we've also got the California PUC sending one of their commissioners, the uh, in, brought over from Canada, Alberta's PUC. We're, we're having one of their commissioners speak and kind of get the comparison with the Canadian approach. I like this. I like this uh,
0: shared uh, kind of experience from different regional areas. And when that happens, new ideas kind of percolate in like this. When you get into the specifics of this, SMUD is the, the term you used here, right? SMUD. Yeah. The uh, you're looking at inductive uh, cooktops, right? Right. Inductive cooktops. Are, are, are that's some that's some exciting mm-hmm. tech. When you start thinking, of, have you ever played with an inductive cooktop?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. have had them for years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right.
0: It's and then you look at heat pumps. Those are two areas that are right at the front of the conversation that are just very exciting because you can create, you know, some serious efficiencies over what we think we need. I mean, people, you know, we, we, a lot of us have gas uh, stoves. We think, well, we like that for the control. We like that for we have these ideas in our mind about why we why we like that. I myself have those ideas in my mind. Exactly. In reality, try inductive, mm-hmm. try an inductive stovetop. You're like, whoa, this is like this digital. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's so it's and the technology is amazing. I actually ran into some guys at CES, Jay, that I didn't get a chance to do this. I I missed the meeting three times with them. And they had an inductive stovetop, and they also had uh, visuals in the stovetop. It was like a, it was like a big television, right? Yeah. It was radical
1: technology, You're like out of the blue. Well, that's exactly what that's exactly what you need is I I, I can't stop <laughs> watching TV long enough to cook dinner.
0: <laughs> well, I guess there was some uh, some data, presumably that would be shared. I don't know what's going on. I, I would I would hope
1: it's more in that
0: right yeah. yeah. But then of yeah. course heat pumps as well. That's a super exciting area.
2: Whoever came up with that name should just be shot. I mean that's, that's the problem. Name. It's heat a pump, terrible right? name. Someone's like, oh, I'm in Hawaii, I can't use a heat pump. And <laughs> and you know, if, if you really understand what it is, I mean it's a wonderful technology. Technology—it's—it's it's passive geothermal, and if people hear it that way, all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, wow, I get it." You know, the—it's the, always 58 degrees. You know, mm-hmm. if I go down a few feet. But yeah, it's, it's been hard here to get people to really understand the applications. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you, that that should be part of a package of what we say the modern home should have. And right. if we decide, you know, it's induction and it's it's heat pumps, yeah, all of a sudden it starts to all come together and make a lot more sense. So what would um, I'm sorry, Brian? Well, I was going
3: to say, as the utility comes in there and gets people to look at that conversion, they get the they get the chance to address the demand side too. Actually, so that's probably that's probably one of the bigger issues.
2: Absolutely, you you bring it all together, and and they have a bunch of different programs. They have the option to have you know the utility be able to turn off your hot water heater, you know things like that for them to deal with their demand. Exactly, yeah. yeah.
0: So okay, well um, we have what are some of the like what would you like to see this? This is the seventh year, right? So ideally, what what would we like to see kind of come out of this? Would we like to see some of these ideas uh, implemented at the policy level here in Hawaii. I mean, is that kind of like one of the overarching goals? And what what are the is there an agenda here? What are we doing?
2: I'd say that traditionally we view it as a success if you, looking back a couple of years after the conference, feel like we were in the forefront, that we correctly kind of predicted the trend. You guys are so, always in the
0: forefront. I remember when the decarbonization conference yeah, Well, right, thing, right. Huh?
2: So this is what we're trying for. And so I would just say that I don't think we can call it a success, honestly, right afterwards. I think you have to probably wait a couple years and see. But, yeah, our goal here is we want to make sure we physically have in the room the people that are really driving, you know, the, the policy decisions in Hawaii. And so, you know, we would expect the commission, their staff, Hawaiian electric, their staff, the consumer advocate. There's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of groups that are involved that way. And, and we do expect the the private sector. I mean, it's been critically important, you know, for all the, the PPAs and the, and the big solar projects. So we're expecting everyone to get a chance to kind of think about, okay, um, if we really want to increase electricity use what are all the things that that come along with that so you know again like if you just think about today let's say you you want to be a good good samaritan and set up a public charging station right You know, again, the whole system does not make this easy for you. You're going to immediately experience a demand charge where if you increase the amount you use, which is presumably what success would be for a public charging station, you're going to see your electricity bill just relentlessly rise from these demand charges. So, you know, you can just see that's a a small example, but it's a disincentive where there should be an incentive. And we say should, right? I mean, it, it should be if if it's going to really be beneficial. And, and that's what you got to decide. So, But that particular yeah. example, if I may, yeah,
0: yeah. Just on, that would be something that the PUC would work with the utility to, to, to augment some new policy or put together some new policy. Board, right. right. I,
2: I mean, so example, the obvious example here, you'd expect that we would find a way to have a way to get service without a demand charge. Right now, it's based simply on the amount of electrical demand. So if you're dealing with a modern fast charger for an EV, your demand is going to immediately take you into a demand charge type of rate. And and so, yeah, like there just isn't a, an avenue today. So, yeah, I guess I would call this a success if, number one, you know, we look back afterwards and we, we, we were able to come up with a common enough definition of what would make it beneficial. And then, number two, we, we actually took out of the way some of the existing roadblocks that make it harder to really ramp <laughs> it might up might be faster
0: you know? just to have like a power pack and a scaled up version of that solar powered uh, system. We just described right. and well, then do a little uh, do a little demand charge mitigation right there, a little peak shaving right, right at the right. right at the
2: thing. Well, you're, you're right. But that's sort of like the rich person solution, right, is I'm just going to go off grid and I don't have to mess around with this. And, and that's why we keep coming back and saying, you know, you, you're going to have to have a case as to why being on the grid is beneficial. You know right now like our for example our tax credits in hawaii right we don't make any distinction between whether you're on grid or off grid in your ability to claim the state tax credit right Mm -hmm. so there's there's a lot of things like that that are are driving certain incentives that we don't really think about now and we may want to keep them all. Are you seeing that there's, and Brian, jump in any moment. I see you're, you're running, getting your gun in the go. But the are we
0: seeing policymakers uh, kind of knocking at your door saying, I have to be here because I'm going to be writing, uh, you know, bills, or I'm going to be writing up new le- legislations. You know, recently we saw some of the council members put together uh, some new policy related to uh, to solar farms, which I, I, you know, I felt, whoa, that's out of the blue, right? So are we giving support to policymakers? Is that part of this process?
2: I think it is. I think that, you know, we're... The probably the more specific local issues have had to do with kind of uh, setbacks and visual Hmm. impacts. And that's one of them, right? I mean, so, again, if you want to say that it's going to be beneficial for us to take our grid to 100 percent renewable in Hawaii, if we're still going to have additional wind farms within kind of people's eyesight, do we have some way of factoring in visual impact? I mean, you know, it's just another example of – you know, if, if you really want to call it beneficial, well, let's look at, you know, who who's impacted. And, and there are a lot of people that are impacted if we start to, you know, get down to, to visual impacts, which is really becoming more and more important to people. Right, right.
3: I, that was my question, Josh, is how are you going to translate these sort of uh, best practices to a legislative framework? You know, and, and sort of because you guys are the authority or you've got the people there, to give them sort of a template of how to move forward because they're not experts at it. They, I mean, do
0: we need a, is it a, do we need a lobby? Like do we well, need to, I always felt like the solar industry needed a lobby, like a really strong state, like basic lobby here.
2: I, I mean, you know, I, I think that HSEA does a, a pretty good job given maybe the overall resources, but yeah, I mean, compared to what you're against, if you're sort of viewing it, that you're in competition with uh, the gas and the oil folks, then, you know, I think that, you're probably underrepresented to some degree. But, you know, if you just look at the ledge, I mean, clearly their policies are intended to be supportive of, you know, renewable energy and and, and these other things. It's just that we have to get down more in the weeds to make it work. So I I would kind of make the distinction that um, we're not directly trying to create legislation. I mean, we, we look around the country and we can see the trends and Hawaii's part of them and you know, frankly, it's just we've reached a point where there are no uncontroversial major projects anymore. You know, it used to be a big <laughs> solar farm, probably wasn't going to be that. You really can't say that anymore anywhere. And, um, you know, people used to say on Oahu they don't, you know, fight renewable energy projects. Well, you are not going to say that anymore. Uh, so, you know, you look <laughs> around the state, e- everywhere there is major opposition To to any kind of large renewable energy project.
3: Well, and then part of it is where they choose to site those, you know, because we had uh, the guest on at Maui Meadows, right? And they just ended up kind of right above Maui Meadows when they could have put it in some different places, but they didn't, Miko didn't even really give them that chance, essentially, you know, to talk about the siting of the site.
0: Well, uh, okay. so there's uh, there's actually I was uh, pinged just yesterday by Eddie Park of Interjects, and he asked uh, to share information about the open house coming up on March 5th. Uh, That's the Malcolm Center, MEDB. and that's uh, Suite 5 1305 uh, over there in Kihei. So there's an opportunity to talk about the archeological uh, studies, I believe, environmental studies that were conducted over the past year for this particular um, uh, you know, solar project that has had you know, quite a lot of dialogue. We've had the contested case hearing and a variety of things happening there. This is an example of what's going on right here in Maui.
2: Absolutely, and you know there have been a series of meetings lately. So this interjects meeting certainly is important. There also was a meeting last week, you know, with Miko coming out and um, talking about their build their own uh, project for big battery storage, you know, here on on Maui. So there, there are just a number of projects going through. AES just made a presentation last week to the Kula uh, Community Association about their proposal to have more wind out at Ulapalaku'a Ranch. So right now, yeah, the public is it has projects for more solar, more wind, mm. uh, and standalone battery. All all of these are seeking public input and and are you know active in the last week or so.
0: All right, well, get engaged, folks. Uh, there's uh, plenty of opportunity to uh, to check all this out. What else can we say about yes, this so that, oh. year? Oh yeah, go ahead, Jay.
1: Yeah, so so for the Hawaii Energy Conference, I mean, is this open to the public? Can people come? How much does it cost? <laughs> Again, where is it?
2: Yeah, yeah, we do it at the Mac, and all the information is at hawaiienergyconference.com. dot com. And basically, mm-hmm. yes, uh, we do have rates that allow you to walk up. I mean, our rates are really based on you being in the business. So you know, if you're A student or some sort of nonprofit, you know, approach us separately. Uh, You know, we we may still have a few scholarships left. But in general, um, we're looking at, if you want to come for both days of the conference, I think it's 590 as the last minute rate. You can pull it up if you want to double check that. Um, You know, and if you you do the early bird stuff, you know, 400 some. So that's, that's kind of what it costs. And compared to, you know, what energy conferences cost generally or SBI or these other events, we feel like it's a pretty good value for people you know we, we even feed you while you're there so yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay okay and then so we've got some pretty exciting speakers uh, as well i noticed you have this huge roster of speakers is there anyone you'd like to focus in on
2: I think, you know, at the national level and at the Hawaii answer, uh, Hawaii. gosh, let's try that again. At the Hawaii level, we should give you a different answer. So Mm -hmm. at the Hawaii level, I think Scott Sioux coming in, he's the new president of Hawaiian Electric. And and so having a chance to do kind of a sit-down session and really a conversation with him about, you know, what his thoughts are as different from Alan Oshima, who who he replaced, that's something that that everyone should have some interest in, certainly. Uh, As far as some of the other people coming over, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, SMUD, and I, I think also we're doing some work with building uh, electrification. And and there's a couple of people coming over, and, and the, some of these organizations I don't know if people have run into. One's called Green Lining. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. ever heard yeah. of that one. So, I mean, from the financial world, a lot of people have heard of redlining, which was kind of an old – of racial profiling thing as I understand it for loans and so these people call themselves greenlining, and they're obviously interested in the opposite in, in terms of something beneficial we also have the building electrification Institute coming over and, and, and again you know you, you can see there is a movement here nationally about people trying to figure out you know how far do we electrify things um, so again we've got people from Vermont uh, from Alberta and Canada several different parts of California um, so really kind of a mix of, of where people, Colorado of course, uh, always bring a few people from there. So just,
0: just kind of a mix, yeah. What, a, what an interesting um, type of a, of, a, of a conference to have these, these policy makers, these PUC members, these innovators coming in from different places around the, around the country while they're experiencing certain kind of you know, wins and losses in those spaces. I know that people tend to think about Hawaii as this kind of front leading thing. So do, do, you, do you see kind of an appetite for people that are coming from across the country that are saying, hey, we want to learn from what's going on in Hawaii?
2: Yeah, and it comes in waves. So, like last year, they were very interested in something called PBR, which is the performance-based uh, you know, rate structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this year, they're interested in that, but also in you know kind of the large scale deployment you know that we've just done this large round of rfps and so the scale up of really kind of taking all of these islands above you know one-third renewables which is kind of where you know we're going to get somewhere towards 50 percent if all this gets built out so that's that's starting to get people interested again to say you know what what problems are you seeing as the percentages start getting this high you know, people kind of checked in with Hawaii when we were at 20% renewable. Now they're checking back in, and we're, we're about 35%, if you want to call it, you know. And, and so you can see we're, you know. I remember some of our earliest conversations when we started the show, Doug came in and he was like, well,
0: back in the 70s, we were about 30 yeah. percent <laughs> and we just kept pace with population yeah. growth. So but now we're actually at a point where we may be exceeding that. Right?
2: I think I think actually we are now. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, you know, frankly, as far as what's happened over the last year, it, it's all solar on Maui. You know, when, when you look at where the growth is, I mean, anything else is almost unmeasurable. I mean, really, this is all PV. Are you <laughs> banking
0: on the fact that these utility scale systems are going to get installed in a reasonable time frame? I mean, where are you at with the UBIN letter, you know, the, the, in talking about the concern that this actually happening at PACE?
2: I think that this is going to be the great test of the PUC. You know, are they going to be able to get enough of these projects through at a fast enough pace that it all looks credible? You know, some of the jumps in our RPS percentages... Uh, really will require the timing to be, you know, you have, you have some five-year gaps where things need to happen. So I, I would say that that is really what we're all watching. You know, this is this is really the pressure's on because there are a lot of companies out there looking at this market and saying, you know, I hear Hawaii's kind of any business uh, You know, do we want to do business there? Is it going to happen? Right. So, again, all eyes in, in the energy business are kind of on trying to answer that question
0: and, what, and we'll what, see one last thing completely separate uh larry ellison buying the grid and lanai uh yay nay what do you think
2: i would just say that you know you as you might assume we asked them if they wanted to come talk about that particular yeah, thing yeah. and and so they're not on the program <laughs> and, and yeah. um but I, I think if you follow what goes on in the business las vegas is probably their model and it's going to be interesting to watch
0: i uh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. There you have it, Brian.
3: Uh, Do you have a way to incorporate some new technology and sort of talk about how that may fill a role?
2: Yeah, I think we're always looking, especially on the vehicle side, you know, how do you actually make some of the stuff more usable? How do you make it more two way? And that's definitely part of the conversation here. Great.
0: Right very good all right folks this has been the solar coaster episode 147 with doug mcleod chair of the hawaii energy conference uh, ushering in its seventh year on march 18th right over at the mac if you want to check it out HawaiiEnergyConference.com. please do participate uh hey this uh we are sponsored by sundrum solar fairwinds wealth management enduro shield and perfectly clear glass as well as some other great sponsors out there thank you so much for keeping the show on the air have a wonderful weekend folks and aloha friday